I think it's safe to say that everybody has some opinion about God. may not be the same opinion, but it's one of the things that pretty much everybody has thought something about and has decided some things. Does he exist or not? If there is a God, is there one God, or are there multiple gods, or is there just some force in the universe? Can we know him? What's he like? I think part of the reason I say we all have opinions about God is because it's such a core question that affects us all. Whether we even put it in those terms. It affects how we see our existence. How we see this universe when we look up at the night sky. How we see that is in part affected by what we think about a designer who designed that universe or the lack thereof. How we see life and events and circumstances. Is there some God behind all of this or not? How we even view other people. And whether we see them as having worth and value and importance or just a collection of cells. And ultimately, as Paul talked in his communion meditation, what we think about God affects how we see ourselves. Our own sense of goodness or lack thereof, our sense of value and importance or none at all. It affects all of those things. The question that was turned in that prompted today's sermon in our summer mixture was that question of if there is this amazing, large, bigger than life, God, how do we get our head around that, Him? And not only get our head around Him, we're also to have a relationship with Him? And how do you fit that together? This amazing God who does all this we just sang about and I'm supposed to have a relationship with him. How do you do that? So we want to talk about that today. And I'm going to sort of start with sort of a foundation and try and build on that. And even as I do that and thought about this sermon today, I realize that there's really a mixture in this crowd. In one sense, I'm preaching to the choir to some. And yet to others, I hope to give you some new things to think about. There is a foundation that we uh, assume, in a sense, in this service because we gather together as believers, and that is that there is a God. The Bible assumes that. That's not just a choice we've made. In Genesis 1-1, this book begins, in the beginning, God. God created. All that we have, the heavens and the earth, our existence, our universe, universe the the source of all this goes back to this being god it is not just a claim of the bible we talked about this in sunday school today in a sense creation demands a creator i don't know if you've ever thought about that science is wrestling with that today Because the more science understands creation, even evolutionary atheistic scientists are saying this doesn't make sense. There has to be a designer. And that's shaking the foundations of science today in the universities. 
Because creation demands a creator. David knew that long before modern science. Turn over to Psalm 19. This is what we were looking at in Sunday school today. It was just a coincidence. I want to read the first four verses. Because there is is a statement here about God and creation. The heavens, I, I like to think, the universe, the universe declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Day after day, the universe pours forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. It's sort of a, 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 a paradox here. Notice what David says. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. So the universe isn't talking words we hear with our ears, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Because the message of that universe is in its very existence, and as we contemplate that universe, and the more we learn about that universe, whether that is in a galactic sense through the Hubble telescope, or whether that is through understanding the complexity of the human body, or as scientists figure out the smallest subatomic particles and all of that, how it works together. At every level, the universe is saying there is a God. And we want to explain this God. You can learn about Him by just looking, opening your eyes to all that He has done. I think another thing that we need to say is we we need a God. Not only does the Bible say there is one, and in a sense the universe says out loud, there is a God. I think part of our wrestling is, in a sense, we want there to be a God. To explain our existence, to give meaning to our life. Anything less, and we're pretending. To say that all of this is by chance. Or to say that life doesn't matter, your life doesn't matter, my life doesn't matter. No different than an ant that gets stepped on. None of us want that to be true. We need that explanation for life. And certainly those who do not believe say, yes, and out of your need, you just made it all up. But the problem is that existence of that universe that's not made up. And the witness and the testimony over thousands of years of people who have known this God and said, no, it's real. He's real. The universe is evidence. He's there. And so there is this God. He does exist in all of this grandeur, all of this wisdom and power. He is there and He is real. The second piece of good news, which is where we're heading, is that we can learn about Him. We can know about this God. Don't assume that, just because it's been true for us for so long. This God could exist and do everything that He has done. He doesn't have to let us know about Him. But He does. He has chosen to reveal Himself to us. Not just his existence, 
That's where science is now. Science is saying there must be an intelligent designer. You see, we know that that intelligent designer has said, and I have a name. My name is Jehovah. And let me tell you about myself. I want you to understand me. And God has chosen through time and history interacting with humanity in various ways he has chosen to say, I want you to understand my character. I want you to know the kind of God that I am. I'm a God who always tells the truth. I am a God who's full of goodness. We could go on and on of the qualities, the characteristics of God, all of which we only know because he has said, I do want you to know about me. I want you to understand who did design all of this and that I have a name and I have these qualities so you can know more about me. But that doesn't mean that we know everything about God. I want to think about that for just a second because I think that's one of our challenges in getting our head around God. We as humans in our sort of Can I call it human arrogance? We like to think I only uh, believe in things I can understand. I I am first in line there. I am married to this wonderful wife who just says, Jesus loved me, this I know, and that's all I need to know. She was cursed with marrying somebody very different from her. Because I am left brain and analytical and I need to understand. I need those qualities of God. And a theology book that's three inches thick that says, here are the 32 qualities of God and let's look at each one. And some of us have just said, ooh, that sounds fun. And the rest of us said, oh, yuck. But, however analytical we are, we are not going to put a box around God. And we need to come to grips with that. If we ever think, I have nailed down God, I have understood God in every aspect, size, everything, we are kidding ourselves. We can't. If we could, he's not God. If I can reduce God to terms that I can get my head around, I don't have a big enough God. And that's part of the problem with the current trend where everybody's sort of making up their own God. And that's real popular today. You talk to people at work. They pick and choose. It's like a smorgasbord and everybody with like Legos builds their own God. But what I'm doing when I do that, you see, is I'm shrinking down God to my terms. That I can get my head around him. And God has done this wonderful thing of saying, I'm going to tell you enough about me that you can understand me. You can get your head around me. Know enough about me that I can become real and a person. But don't ever think you have fully understood me. I am way bigger than that. Moses, when he's at the burning bush, he has not had a relationship with God. He's out in the Sinai, been living there for decades, and God comes to him and says, Moses, I need you to send you back to Egypt, and I'm going to need you to use you to free Israel from Egypt. And Moses is not the most self-confident person, so he's having this little argument with God that I want to get out of this, I don't want to go to this. And one of the things he says is, well, God, who do I even say sent me? And in Exodus 3.14, God gives the answer. 
God says, here's who you tell them sent you. I am that I am. That answer of God is part of what I'm talking about. God doesn't say, well, here's a name. He says, I am sent you. And if you keep reading, he says, tell them, the I am sent you. Now, theologians have debated a long time about these, this, that simple answer of God. I think the basic concept is God says, I am who I'm going to be. And you're not going to narrowly define me. I am much bigger than that. Now, that's part of the challenge of God, but it is also part of the mystery of God. And because he is God, he is going to be bigger than us. And he is going to remain bigger than someone we can get our head all around and neatly define. That doesn't mean that we can't have a relationship with him. And I want to go there next. But I don't, what I am partially trying to say today is we don't have to reserve God, reduce God totally to concepts we can get our heads around to have a relationship with him. If we could, we never could. Or we'd make God too small. So God does show himself to us. The beauty of all this is that we can know him personally. Not just to know about him. We can learn about famous people. We can learn about powerful people. We will never meet them. And we will never know them personally. But God says, I don't want you to just know about me. I don't want you to just take theology 101. I want to have a relationship with you. And we see this in the very beginning of creation. In Genesis 3, even though it's a part of the the sin of humanity, we catch this little snapshot. The man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God came down to relax with Adam and Eve, to talk with them, to spend time with them. And from the very beginning, we get this snapshot that not only is there this God who can create in six days, this God chooses to not only reveal himself, but to come near so he can have a relationship with you. Don't think about humanity with you just as much as with Adam and Eve. This great and mighty God that we can understand but can't totally get our head around, he still wants a relationship with you. We're his children. He created us. He loves us. He loves you. Two verses in Jeremiah I want us to read. I want to read the second one first. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, and here was his message, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is God's heart. I am drawing you to me out of my everlasting love and with a kindness that never stops. That's how God feels about you. And notice his goal, and that's in 24-7. I have given them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, I am God, that they will be my people, and I'll be their God 
for they will return to me with all their heart. That's the agenda of this great and mighty God. That we don't just learn about him, but that he wants this love relationship with us. Now that's the Old Testament. Paul uses these words in 2 Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's what God desires, that family relationship. There's no closer relationship God could use to picture for us. That this mighty creator wants to be family with us. To love us and have him, us love him. So if that's where God is coming from and that's what God desires, how do we do that? How do we get close to God? Well, as we said earlier, we don't have to fully understand him, and and I, I want us to recognize that. We can still build a relationship with him. How many of you fully understand your spouse? But we have a relationship with them. How many of you fully understand your kids? But we have a relationship. Kids, how many of you fully understand your parents? There's the real stretch. But we can still have a relationship. This thought that I must fully understand God to have a relationship with him doesn't apply anywhere else, and it doesn't apply with God. We can still be in that relationship, and what we learn in our human relationships, it's in that relationship we learn more about each other. And it's in that relationship we learn more about God, and we're always learning new things about him. But we don't have to know it all to start the relationship. So how do we have this relationship with God? Well, first of all, you have options. And you all say, what? God exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. And the reality is that I think if you talk to all the Christians in this room today, you would see that some relate more to God as Father. Some relate more to God as Jesus. And some relate to God more as spirit who's with me and in me. There's not a right wrong here. And I think it's so cool to see different people, and oftentimes it's because of our own history. To see how we each have different ways we relate to God as one of the Trinity. But that is, to me, God's genius to say, in this way, more people will be able to understand me and draw close to me. Because they can see me in any of these ways that are all true and all real. And so, in a sense, you have options. Now, a relationship with God, whether it's Father, Son, or Spirit, is not that different than our human relationships. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges in overcoming to build a relationship with God. Because He is spiritual, because He is this divine being... We somehow think there should be a different set of rules to have a relationship with him. But there really aren't. It's the same things that make up our human relationships. Time together. Communication. Both of listening and talking. Some shared values. uh, 
That's the way it is with God, just like it is with humans. Let's look at those for a little bit. So if we want a relationship with this being, part of it is, do we spend time with him? It's a very simple thing. And in our busyness today, it's a tough question we need to ask ourselves. I just heard a story this week. I was meeting with a friend, and a pastor um, had a businessman come in to his office and say, you know, I'm busy with everything at my work, and I want this relationship with God, but how do I find time? I can't fit it in. I keep trying, but I can't fit it in. And it was a young pastor, and he said, well, I, I don't have all the answers for you. I only know this about life. We make time for what's important to us. And we all know that's true. And there is no shortcut for any relationship of not spending time together. And so if having a relationship with God is important to us, it is something we need to make time for. And there's no way to avoid that. David had learned it. He said in Psalm 46, 10, Be still and know that I'm God. Making that time in our day, whatever fits us, morning, night, early, late, middle, doesn't matter. What matters is we say, God, I want to know you. I want that relationship. I will make time to be still, to pause to turn off the devices and turn off the TV and stop our doing and spend some time with God. Be still and then you will know that I am God. But you have to be still. So that's the first thing is to say, when are you stopping to be still? Even five minutes. When are you stopping and I'm going to warn you, what you're going to find out is if you stop and are still with God and you give him five minutes, he'll work with that and pretty soon it'll be ten. And then it'll be more because spending time with him becomes so good, it becomes more important. The next step is to say, well, do you talk to him? And that's all prayer is. That conversation with God. Being honest with him and open with him, it can be your questions, it can be your frustration, it can be all kinds of things. Hopefully there's some things of saying, God, you're amazing. I went for a walk last night and I saw that moon that is just so big. You made that. Wow. Thanks, God. I got that promotion today, God. I think you maybe were behind that. Thanks. Oh, say some good things, hopefully. And yet, even as I say that, all of us have probably been in some times when there's nothing good to say. Because as far as we're concerned, our life is blackness. It's a fog and we're lost. God's okay with that. He's also okay with you saying, God, I don't have a clue what's going on. You're talking to him. And he's big enough to handle that. The point is you're talking to him. You're spending some time with him. Whether that's thanks and praise and, or questions or complaints or whatever. Anger. 
It's real. God already knows it. Be honest with him. Talk to him. But the reverse is also true. Do you let him talk to you? There's no one-sided relationship. We know that. In fact, if you have a relationship with anybody who only talks and never listens, that's a real short relationship. You get real frustrated. God's the same way. Say, will you, will you ever just shut up and listen? Let me talk to you. Be still and know that I'm God. One of the primary ways God speaks to us is out of his word. The simple thing of, of reading just a few verses a day. But reading it with the knowledge, I'm not here to check a box. I'm here to say, God, speak to me. As I read these verses today, I want to hear from you something. Just help me listen. And then read. If you are electronic at all and you haven't heard about you version, I encourage you to look it up. It'll help you read the word every day. Now, if you don't need that, great. But Y-O-U version. It's a free Bible app program. It can be on your computer, your tablet, your phone, anything. And if you go look, they have hundreds of Bible reading plans. You'll find one tailored for you. Short, long, lots of scripture, little scripture. It's just a helpful tool that will help you read the Word every day. Just a little bit. But read it listening to God. Because just as He wants you to talk to Him... Let him talk to you. I think one of the other things that's an important piece, and I think this church is good at it, is worship. But it's understanding that worship is meeting with God. It's not just showing up to check a box, I went to church today. And it's not just watching the people up front lead worship. It's not a concert. They're leading all of us before God that all of us can worship Him. To come into His presence and express our thanks, our joy, our praise, be amazed by His love, learn about Him. It goes on and on. You can't do that every week without getting closer to God. Worship is a key piece. And here's a neat paradox People always ask me, well, do you learn to worship privately and then come to church? Do you learn to worship at church collectively and then worship privately? Which does it work? And the correct answer is all the above. Because for some people, we learn to worship God here, and then we find ourselves worshiping Him privately all week long. Other people learn to worship God in the private of their quiet time with Him, and then they come to worship and share in that. Either one can work, but the bottom line is worship helps us draw closer to God, whether you sing or not. I understand some people aren't musical. That doesn't mean they don't worship. Maybe you sing along on the inside with a beautiful voice. We still worship. And in that process, we draw closer to God. There's two other things I want to mention. One is uh, music. Music is this amazing medium that deals with us physically, mentally, and emotionally at the same time. That's why music is so powerful. And Christians throughout the centuries have said, music is something that helps me come before God. The book of Psalms is a hymnal. It's music. We just read it most of the time. For thousands of years, 
God's people have learned that in music, I am transported to be close to God. And I learn about him, and I talk to him, and I hear from him. Music is a powerful one. And the last one is other Christians. Spending time with other Christians, not just shooting the breeze, but talking about God. Because in that process, I learn about God through what you've learned. And maybe you learn about something about God from what I've learned. We learn from each other. And we help each other draw closer to God. And sometimes it's in little conversations. But being with other Christians helps us draw draw closer to God. The good news is we can each have our own relationship with God. Here's a verse that David said to his son Solomon as he was giving him fatherly advice at the end of his life and as he knew Solomon was going to become king. In 1 Chronicles 28.9, this is David's advice to Solomon. If you seek him, he will be found by you. That verse is still true advice to all of us. If you seek God, you will find him. All you need to do is seek him. I thought this picture summed up what I wanted to try and communicate today. It's a famous picture of John F. Kennedy in the uh, uh, desk in the Oval Office. But his young son, under three, John Jr., was underneath the desk. And I thought, how, how much that's like us and God. Because I can assure you, John Jr., under that desk, did not fully understand his father and all he did. He didn't get all about being president of the United States and all the issues that Kennedy was worried about. But you know what? didn't matter. He knew one thing. His father loved him, and his father would make time for him, even in the Oval Office, even in the midst of an international crisis, he could curl up and be close to dad. And that is exactly what God wants to offer each of us. He may be running the universe and dealing with things we will never comprehend. Doesn't matter. You're his child. He loves you, and he invites you to come and be close to him. Because that's what he wants with you more than anything else. That kind of relationship as his son or daughter. Let's pray. Father, we know you're there. You you have to be. We just look at your universe But the great good news is that you have not only exist, but you let us know who you are and you want a relationship with us. Sometimes it feels like we have to work at that, but we have to work at any relationship. But help us understand, Father, you want that kind of close relationship with each one of us. You long for us to become your sons and daughters safe and secure under your desk as you rule the universe, knowing we are loved by you. 
May everyone in this room understand how real that desire of yours is. Help them. Draw them that they might become close to you. In your son's name.